folks. Welcome back. Tiger Talk. First episode of the new year here with Dr. Hunt. Happy New Year, Dr. Hunt. How are we? I am doing well. Happy New Year to you. Thank you very much. Um, we have a really special guest today, Coach Mark Imarino, the winningest football coach in Chagrin Falls history. Coach, what's going on? Happy New Year, everybody. It's great to be here, be back in the building and uh, be a part of this. I think this is a great, great idea. It really is. And to be a part of it means a lot. So thanks for thinking of me. Of course. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. So, Hey, before we uh, <laughs> you know, jump into the questions, I think we need to use this opportunity to roast Imerino a little <laughs> bit along the way, right? Well, I, I, oh, I have plenty of notes down for that. That's, yeah. so, uh, do you we, have one right off the well, bat? Well, I, I reached out to Mark and asked him to come on the show and you know, do the podcast. And he, sure, absolutely. And then I don't know, yesterday somebody texted me, do I get like a Zoom link or yeah. what is this? So, uh, yeah, you know, this, is a, this is a new vehicle for me, new venue for me. So I'm so excited. So you haven't been on a lot of podcasts? Is that what you're saying? No. My, uh, <laughs> uh, my kids listen to them a lot. Good. But uh, make sure they subscribe when you get home. Okay. That's right. I will. I, I bet a lot of people are going to listen to this one uh, after the impact you've had, Mark, on the football field and, and you know, as a, a counselor and a teacher. Some people don't even know you started here yeah. as a teacher. So. Uh, I appreciate that. Thanks. You. Yeah. So, yeah, tell us about that. When, when did you start at Chagrin? What was your position and, yeah, and so all that? Yeah, so in 1995. I was um, five years old. Go on. Yeah. This, this is getting off to a good yeah, he's, he's he doesn't there's no filter on that side okay, of the room that's all absolutely right. not i guess we're playing at that game right? yes we are so in 1995 actually i was teaching social studies at solon high school and i was coaching football and track and i uh, heard about the opening at chagrin falls for a head football coach at that time the chagrin valley conference was made up of Solon, Twinsburg, Kenston, Chardon, in addition to West Yaga, Wycliffe, Chagrin, and Orange. I think those were the eight schools. So I was very familiar with Chagrin Falls High School, their athletics, their academics. Coach Pei had coached against him. Coach Bucar had coached against him, Coach May. So I had been very familiar with that situation. And prior to that, I had had a couple of opportunities to become a head coach, but I quickly realized that coaching high school sports, high school football, is not the glamour that you would see on television on Saturday afternoons or Sunday afternoons. It is a, uh, an extension of the classroom. Mm -hmm. It's a portion of what you do. And so when the football season is over, you know, the very important thing you have to understand is you have to be really excited about your job, the school district you're in, the people you work with and for. So I was very selective, didn't just want to become a head coach. I wanted it to be the perfect situation. So when you came in as a head coach, obviously you've been an assistant prior to that. Right. Um, when you came into a program, what was your priorities? Obviously you've had some influences. What did you want to establish? This is your program, first year, what, was, what were your goals? So I came into a program that was 0-18, had lost their last 18 games, and um, I think there were 40 kids, grades 9 through 12, out for football, playing against some big powers. So what I wanted to do is establish that playing football at Chagrin was cool. It was fun. Right. It was exciting. It was, you know, something that they had seen back in the 60s and in the 70s and in the 80s, actually, because there was a great deal of tradition here. And I wanted to get back to that. And so it was hard to show kids, hey, this is going to be a great deal of fun. Come on out. And and their immediate thought is, you guys haven't won in two years. You know, right. what, why is it going to be different? How do you flip a script like that? Yeah. So I had to sell something. So I sold myself. You right. know, I talked to everybody I could. I was upbeat. I was positive. I had a plan. I said, this is how we're going to do it. Right. You know, this is how we're going to do it. Um, it. It also helped that at that time, the conference alignment changed. The Western Reserve Conference was created. So a lot of those much larger schools went there. The Chagrin Valley Conference annexed, if you will, um, other schools that were more like size. And so I think the playing field leveled out, which showed pretty quickly in, in wins and losses and competition. And, um, you know, so that was the biggest thing is, I, you know, I when I first got here, I noticed that first year, and I had come from a place where 
pride and tradition was obviously very strong in in Solon. And I knew it could be here because mm-hmm. I saw it in the men's and women's soccer program, saw it in men's and women's basketball, you know, track and cross country. So I knew it could be in football. And I walked the halls and I didn't see a lot of kids with chagrin football letter jackets, chagrin football hats and T-shirts right. and that kind of stuff. So that's the first thing we attacked, you know, to try to get it out there as much as possible. Best thing to do, give a person a T-shirt. Yeah, that, that, absolutely. That works. You know, we the first thing I did was establish a little Tiger football camp for all kids. Youth. You know, going right. into grade three through eight. Smart, build you know, a youth program. And um, had my assistants working that. And then also had each day have a guest speaker come out, you know, and kind of reached out, networked uh, to, you know, college and pro players to come out and talk to the kids. And at one point in time, we were up at Gurney School. We had almost 150 kids, you know, in our little Tiger football camp. And so many of those little Tigers stayed in the program, you know, and, and became that. You know, and the other thing is, making sure that people were aware of what a tremendous experience, not only being a, a student at Chagrin Falls will be, but being a an athlete as well, because there were some students who thought that lights were brighter at other schools, private schools. Mm-hmm. And so we had lost, you know, and I, and I talked with, uh, Mr. May was obviously, you know, a mentor of mine and somebody Funny that May, I... Right. Greatly, greatly leaned on, you know, and there were kids that had been in here, but thought that they would go to other schools like University School or Hawkin or Gilmore or, you know, some of the parochial schools around as well. And so all we could do is just show them how great their experience is here. And I would, funny story goes on, two of my most favorite players, you know, that have gone through here, Bradley and Michael Monday. And... um they lived in the Chagrin Falls area, but everybody had told me, you know, because they, they were stars at our little Tiger football camp, and they were great friends with my two sons as well. But everybody said, oh, no, their dad went to Walsh. They're going to go to Walsh. And so at a very young age, you know, I would send out quarterly newsletters, and I would make mm-hmm. sure that their family got a quarterly newsletter. And I would always write a little note on the bottom, you know, can't wait for, to see you guys up here. And uh, I told him, I said, listen, free tuition. Free books. I'll drive you to school. I'll yeah. pick up the laundry. That's right. You'll get a ride to school <laughs> right. and a big yellow bus. Right. You know, so I told Whatever him you, you can't beat it. And uh, it's 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 funny, but, you know, I just think. Um, it sounds like relationships is, is how you you really built it. Right. I, I would say, yeah, exactly. I mean, that that's the first thing is I felt like I had to get something to make it exciting and fun, worthwhile. So many things today compete for our teenagers time, effort, and energy. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing greater than being a student athlete, in my opinion, during your teen years, whatever the activity you're, you're excelling in the classroom. Athletics is an extension of the classroom. So it carries over. And I told the kids, I said, you know, in my opinion, there's nothing better than going to church on Sunday with your sugar and football letter jacket, going to the movies, uh, you know, and wearing wearing that pride pride thing. thing. So now it didn't hurt to have a six foot five, 240 pound fullback <laughs> live in your district that became all American and eventually won a Super Bowl. So that, that didn't hurt, but, um, you know, yeah, it was certainly part of the transition, right? That wasn't bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I remember when, uh, Sean McHugh was in eighth, was in eighth grade and that was my first year, you know, and I went to the middle school football games and it, it truly the phrase men amongst boys was truly that. And somebody had told me, Nah, he he's going to go to university school. He likes to wrestle, and I said, oh, <laughs> "Part <laughs> we'll my phrase we'll over see, my dead body." We'll yeah. see that about that. Yeah. So, but you know, <clears throat> it was interesting to be honest with you. I sat down and I talked with his dad, Kevin, and he was most concerned. He he even said, "You know, Sean's a, has great athletic potential." He said, but he thought he he wanted to make sure he reached his academic potential. Hmm. He was thought that a private school would do a better job of really catering to his needs, and I told him. That's, you know, that's furthest from the truth. I said, you know, and being here, I truly see what the teachers, how they approach kids. The fact that Sugar and Falls High School was a moderate sized school that truly teachers got to know their students individually and students felt very comfortable with that interaction because of that, you know, it wasn't just a huge 
humongous school and I was a name. And I really told him that. And, um, you know, when Sean graduated, that was one of the things that he really appreciated was that he went on to become a, you know, scholar athlete at Penn State. And I don't know if you follow his Facebook, but talk about successful. He's extremely successful, lives in suburban Detroit, Michigan. and He follows our Instagram account. Shout out, Sean. Sean's We'd love to have you on the podcast. Oh, and he would do it. He definitely would do it. That's great. Yeah. So, Mark, you you undoubtedly have had some just superstars. I'm sure we're going to talk about them. You know, the the Mondays you Mm -hmm. talked about Sean McHugh. Eventually, we're going to talk about Brian Rubisky. I have that feeling. Um, But... I always, when I, when I look at athletic programs and when I talked about our football program, uh, I, I always talked about the experience in that you created opportunities for that, for the teams to come together. And regardless of maybe your position, you know, your level, your ability, you were brought into the team. Mm-hmm. So has that always been a part of the culture? Is that something that evolved over time? I mean, I remember, you know, going to meals before games and having guest speakers and mm-hmm. all of those things that, you know, in isolation, yeah, that's nice. But when you do it kind of comprehensively, mm-hmm. it develops that type of mold and that type of experience, even for the kid who maybe isn't going to go to college and play football, but uh, it just feels like they're part of something. I think, um, I think in the process prior to becoming a head coach, when I started to, as you had said, Victor, what do you want to establish? And it kept on ringing through to me as I think back of going through playing high school. And I certainly was was not a, a star at all. Uh, Mayfield High School, by I, the way. Go Cats. Go Cats. I would just say I, I've, I've been more successful as a coach than as a player. But, <laughs> but remembering going through that and when you're 16, 17 and 18 years old and you're playing a, a high school sport and you're committing to the offseason – training and you're going through practice every day and coaches are telling you certain things. I mean, I put myself in back in those shoes and I just vowed to myself saying, I want to make sure that every player here, when the season is all said and done and they're turning in their equipment, they can say, yeah, that was that was definitely worth my time. That was definitely a positive experience, whether they played a lot, whether they played a little, whether they were very good, whether maybe they weren't very good, but just making sure that each player knew that they were an important part of this program. And so, you know, that's why we tried not to, at least within our own program, salute and honor the best player because the media does that itself. But within our program, so, you know, some of the awards that we have, you know, the awards that we give out are awards for, you know, the kid who persevered through four years and maybe didn't get a great deal of playing time until they're senior year. And so we salute perseverance as something, you know, the, we call him the bandit of the year, which is our scout team player named after Paul Kiffner, who ran the scout teams for us. But you know, that scout team player, we have a plaque in the locker room with their names on it, you know, to show the younger kids that, you know, so the Eagles in town helped support us with a, an award, the Bob Scott love of the game award, you know, once again. So we, we wanted to really reward and recognize the characteristics and qualities that we think are important for all players to have. So when they are finished, their playing days are finished, they remember those things, yeah. you know, because not everybody's going to be the star and so, on the front page of the News Herald. I, I know you're you're going to ask here in a minute, Victor, about, you know, some of the memories, mm-hmm. of, you know, that stand out for a coach uh, over his time. Who are a few kids or maybe an example that, that fell into that bucket that maybe yeah. weren't in the papers, but you can say, just by being a part of this, it changed their lives and 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 set them up. Who? Give me a, an example or two. I, you know, there are a lot of them, and I think that's just something that I feel very good about. But if I can start back, we had um, back in the early years, we had a player. His name was Keith Lodge. His mom taught here, I think, actually in this room. Yeah, exactly. I, actually, yeah, Nancy, in this room. Yeah. So Keith was very quick, very fast, defensive back, undersized. And through his freshman, you know, sophomore and junior year, you know, he played on the the freshman team, the JV team. And at the end of his junior year, I had a conversation with him and he said, you know, I I didn't play very much varsity last year. I just played JV. I just don't know that I'm going to be able to play. I don't know if I want to go through all of that to sit the bench my senior year. You know, um, he, he was thinking about hanging him up. And I told him, I said, well, I can't guarantee you anything, obviously, in the offseason other than if you do step aside, 
you won't play, you won't have that experience. I said, but if you commit yourself in the off season, if you want to be a part of a, a group, a senior team, you know, as well, all I can give you is a fair chance, you know, and, and then your ability is going to take you from there. And he accepted that challenge, worked hard in the off season. He became a starting defensive back for us his senior year. And I'll never forget, we were at Aurora and we were down late with like two minutes to go in a game and they're punting. And he broke through the line, blocked the punt. We recovered it. We threw a touchdown pass and ended up beating Aurora at that time. And it was our first conference championship in 1999. And so his nickname from his peers and his friends was Scruggs. They called him Scruggs. So we started the Scruggs Award, the Senior Scruggs Award, which is an award given to a graduating senior who played four years of football at Chagrin and maybe their freshman, sophomore, and junior year. Maybe it was performance or maybe it was injury or whatever the reason may be, they did not play a lot and did not experience a lot of success. And it would have been easier for them to just say, you know, my senior year, I don't want to go through this again, but committed themselves to it and had a, a breakthrough uh, year. And, you know, just to bring that up to date to 2020, you know, w- one of our winners this year was Miguel Damastis. Mm-hmm. And Miguel Damastis reminded me so much of Keith Lodge. Same position, right? same size, same everything. And he and Owen Lewis were our two Scruggs Award winners this year. Both suffered injuries last year, didn't really uh, play. I'm sure they could have been frustrated. In the offseason, committed themselves. I had many, many conversations with Miguel about it. That's really great. He ended up winning that award. And knowing what, you know, he he had went through. and Yes, absolutely. I mean, he, and it was interesting too, because he and I, our relationship really, I I would like to think, um, Blossom this year, I mm-hmm. think because he saw whatever I was trying to do, I was trying to do for him to right. get him to that point where he was this year. And he was great for us. I mean, mm-hmm. he was on one of the all-conference teams and all of us in education, we, I think we um, appreciate the attaboys in those situations when Jennifer Newton, one of our counselors who works with Miguel said that he had told her even after the season, yeah, this was this was a really good year. I'm really glad I stuck it out. And Perseverance. Really things, you know, it's and right that's there. what it was. And that's how, that, uh, again, you mentioned it. Athletics is an extension of the classroom. Of the classroom. It, right. it really is. And I know for me personally, I, I wrestled in high school. And some of the things you remember, your memories, that, that come from not only just the athletic field, the bus, the locker room. Yep. You know, getting together. To miss out on, yeah, to miss out on just those experiences alone. outside of Correct. the lines. It's worth it. Yeah, you don't even know their experiences at the time, right? Right. It's, Correct. Yeah. You just right. think that's your life. You look back and you say, if I didn't have that experience, I might not be the person yeah. I am today. I might not have the attitude, the perspective that I have today. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So this year for Christmas, um, I, you know, we were just home with our immediate family, my, my wife, Amy, and my uh, sons, Tommy and Matthew, and my daughter, Emma. And we opened gifts and everything, and all the gifts were done. And, and Matthew says, Dad, come on in the family room. I got one more gift for you. Okay, so we all get in there, and he hooks up his computer uh, to our television. And he had social networked through his friends and ex-players and reached out to, I can't tell you how many of my ex-players. And he created this video for me. And I'm going to get choked up here just going through it, but Sean McHugh, kids from the past— Mike Gerbasi played for us um, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, those years. Went into the military uh, as a veteran, and he sent my son Matthew a bunch of clips, um, pregame talks, Mm. um, and he gave a a video. And it was amazing um, through 26 years of coaching those things that those kids said about teaching life lessons. Mm -hmm. I use it now as a father. I use it now in my line of work, you know, and, and, you know, I was just overcome with emotion because, you know, you really feel like that has nothing to do with being the winningest coach or how many, that has nothing to do with that. Could care less. Mm -hmm. It's the, you persevered through 26 years and, and impacted, you know, people. I mean, I, I, I've 
embarrassed to even talk about this, like humbled to talk about it, but that people recognize that and you know that that was important to them. So, I mean, I will treasure that that video forever. So what are some of your fondest memories of 26 years? I mean, you've talked a, a lot about, you know, some of them already, yeah. but is, are, there, are there others that will stand out and, you know, kind of always be there for you as you move forward? You know, I think the obvious ones that people would um, point to certainly is, you know, playing in two state championship games at the fabled old Fawcett Stadium and also at Maslin. And just that whole experience being interviewed on the sideline by Allie LaForce before she made it big. <laughs> right. You know, I have a picture that's my Google icon of my son Tommy and I. I'm calling a play to him on the sideline. It's in the state championship game. How, I mean, that doesn't get better than that. You know, and seriously, I remember hit. You know, I used to take those guys when they were little. We'd bundle them up and we'd go watch playoff games. And I remember driving down to Maslin with them. And I told them, I said, "Hey, one of these days, as we were walking the stadium, we're going to play here." You know, mm -hmm. and that was actually my pregame, you know, pregame speech there. But obviously, those there Friday nights here at CS Harris Stadium. I mean, it truly is um, has been glorious. You know, just to see, you know, to look up in those unique stands and be a part of history and tradition and knowing that that facility was built before World War One. Side note, God bless the the family of Tom Mattern and mm -hmm. just heard of his passing and, you know, so being able to talk to somebody like him when I came on board and my constant conversations with Coach Pei and Coach Bukar and all those guys to see all of the things that have come before and how, you know, things were to be to be part of a rich tradition of of uh, a program. I mean, those are the things. Friday nights, you know, and and having so many people tell me, oh, we, you know, opponents and my colleagues and coaches saying, oh yeah, we used to love to come to Chagrin. It was just a cool place, <clears throat> the covered uh, stadium and beautiful background and all that. So, you know, there are a lot of great victories, but I, I know every coach has a lot of great victories that they think about. But to me, you know, the people, obviously, yeah. the, the people that you have seen come across. I can specifically remember pregames, walking on the field while the kids are warming up and looking around and seeing people who are coming to the game, people who are longtime retired, you know, a Bob Ulrich, a John Lonchar. Um, you know, I've talked about Coach Payai seeing these people that, you know, coming back to watch it, seeing grandpa and grandma Clegg mm -hmm. coming over, sitting on the visitor sideline, like they've done for ever, you know, you know, seeing the raising of the flag and, and including that as a part, you know, I remember when, uh, you know, they told us, Hey, we really like you to be out on the field prior to the national anthem. So you can share in it. I think the fans would enjoy that. And that has become, you know, because normally that wasn't the situation. We would come out after the national anthem. Right. You know, so to be a part of that whole thing, the fact they brought the victory bell back this year. And I learned, you know, from Brian McKenna, you know, the tradition of that, you know, where that all stood. So I'm just really so blessed and, and proud to be in a place that embraces the tradition like that. And I think maybe that's probably why I just identified with this place so much because that's what I really truly enjoy. So Victor, I feel like we're just lobbing softballs here. <laughs> I mean, just softballs. I mean, so, isn't, uh, isn't that what a podcast is no, for? No, you know, I, I do. I, I, yeah, yeah. It's not on the script, you, okay. but I do have a question you may want to prepare for. Okay. So retiring as head coach of Chagrin Falls, you know, that's kind of ends that chapter. Is the coaching career of Mark Marino completed? Oh, man, we're going to get this on record. Well, I don't have anything confirmed. I don't really have anything Ooh. that I... Wow. Can, oh, okay. I don't have anything I can report to He's you. He's very good with words. Yeah. I just know that, um, you know, I, I do... Um, I do really enjoy the interaction and coaching football. I, I love the X's and O's. I love working with the kids. I love, you know, it's... Here we go, Victor. It's an extension of the classroom. It's the mm -hmm. same thing. So you get your, you make your lesson plan for the week. Right. You your week at a glance. You you yep. teach it. You make sure that all of your pupils understand the concepts, and then you give the test on Friday. 
and you see how they do. And you grade it on Saturday. You learn what you did well, and you know. So it, it, right. I enjoy. I love that the part process. Of it. You I like love the you process. like the process. I love the process of that. Um, I just felt, you know, in answer to your question, Bob, I, I just felt for the best interest of of this program, in this school, and where it's at right now. I really feel like the energy, enthusiasm, the you know, commitment, all of the things that are necessary that maybe I did when I was 33, that somebody needs to to do that, that that needs the shot in the arm. Yeah. The stage of where I'm at in my career and, you know, spending time, you know, now, like I said, my, my kids are out of school, my my wife and I enjoying the time together um, and the focus there, um, that's what's most important. So to answer your question, I mean, I would I would like to coach again. I really would. I, I don't foresee myself as a head coach yeah. because, you know, of those things that I think the way that that position should be addressed. But I do like the process. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to give up the process yet. All but, right. Well, you know. we got something there. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> well, so one one last question would be one, one last okay. last question. One last last question. <laughs> uh, Twenty six years. You, you're you're you know no names no anything. Your piece of advice for the next head football coach at Chagrin Falls? So I would say is, you know, once again, enrich yourself in the tradition um, and what's what this school district is all about and submerge yourself in it, you know, from the youth programs up, involve everybody. This this That's one of the things that I have found in this school district is K through 12, teachers, administrators, you name it, they don't just want to come to work and go home. They truly want to be a part of everything uh, in this community and in this school district. So I would say to the coach, enrich yourself in that. Be a part of everything. Be visible. Be something that they can point to that, you know, that stands for the positive qualities that this school district represents. Be that for everybody, not just in between the the sidelines, but be that person so whether it's young kids or teachers at the elementary schools, they know who you are and what you stand for, you know, and I think, I think you know, that's, that's the key to be uh, a successful coach in this district. Coach, this has been awesome. It's great to see you. Great to have Thank you, you back. Uh, we wish you the best in retirement. Appreciate it. Appreciate it very much. I you know, I do miss those interactions with, yeah. with people. That's what I, so I really thank you guys for allowing me to come up and spend some time because that's, uh, that's what I enjoy. Well, uh, just, uh, from my perspective, Mark, you know, personally, thank you for everything. You know, we've been able to, uh, develop quite a relationship over time, been through a lot of highs and lows, mm-hmm. um, 26 years on the sidelines. Um, I would say you were everything you described and, and people show up on a Friday night and they watch a football game and they think, you know, there's obviously some work goes into it, but unless you're part of it, you have no idea what it takes in terms of time and commitment. And I, I remember being a new high school principal and, you know, your, your two sons were, you know, wrestling in the end zones of every game. Right. I can't believe that, you know, they're already, you know, yeah. through college and onto their careers, but you, you always, and I, and I've talked about you a lot with other people. You have always ran a comprehensive program that appreciated and extended the classroom that had these experiences that will change kids' lives. And then, you know, competitive product on the field um, as judged by, you know, the the winningest coach of all time. So I, I know you don't like to take credit and uh, mm-hmm. along the way, and it was always about the kids, but uh, I want to thank you on behalf of Chagrin Falls for your commitment and everything you've done. You've, you've made a mark here that will be here for, for a long, long time. Well, I appreciate that very much. I I would like to thank Sugar and Falls. Um, you know, I had three children that went through school here, graduated here, our Sugar and Falls graduates, and the experience that they had here helped them become successful in college and after college. And just the experience that my whole family has been able to have. Um, you know, I, I know when I decided that I would step down, I mean, all of them had that look on their face, like, well, what are we going to do now? Yeah. What, what's the next step? What are we going to do now? Right. My, my son, Matt says, come on, Fridays, dad. I, my car automatically drives to CS Harris Stadium on Fridays. Their whole life, they've only known you as the head football coach. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, but the experience that we, our whole family has had as being a part of the Chagrin Falls community, 
is is something that I will never, never forget and so, so appreciate. So thank you. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate it, guys. Thank All you. Right. Tiger Talk is sponsored by our great friends at Ganley Chevy of Aurora. I drive a Chevy, haven't had any issues. If you need a car, please go over there. You can visit them at ganleychevyaurora.com. Find them on social media. Ganley Chevy, your hometown dealer. So you know what's uh, really great about Ganley? They just give to local schools like no other place I've seen. I mean, they, they've done this podcast piece up at uh, uh, Kenston. Uh, they've helped in Aurora. I, I know they've helped our volleyball team here. Uh, they just really you know, step up to help education and support the community. So, yeah, definitely uh, check them out. James Reinhardt is uh, the man over there. Go uh, give him a call and see, what, see if he can uh, hook you up with a new vehicle here over winter break, right? Ganley Chevy, thanks so much for your sponsorship. All right, here we are. Special guest, second of the podcast. Yes, we're having two guests on the same podcast. Mr. Brian McKenna. Brian, how are you? Uh, I'm well today. Thank you for having me. Of course. Brian, uh, what, what, actually, why don't you just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, things you do at the school now, and, and certainly uh, uh, your work with the Alumni Association. Well, I uh, came here roughly 20 years ago, and I've been in the social studies department, primarily with the high school students, and uh, have a government class and four sections of U.S. history. I also coach the boys' soccer team and as well the middle school track and field team. One of the reasons I was able to come to Chagrin was uh, my willingness, and I really did want to, right from the get-go, be able to jump in on the Alumni Association following in the footsteps of uh, Tom Mattern. So I've been alumni director for roughly 15 years. Wow, time goes fast. Yes, it does. So you are a class of? 88. 88. And mm. I will fully disclose, I am class of 91 from another uh, local public school district. So I also had time to appreciate uh, Brian's athletic career as a uh, wrestler when he was That's in high right. school. That's right. He was also that wrestling coach at one point. Yeah. Yes, we, I was. We share that in common. Yes, we do. <laughs> I wish I had more success with that. Yeah. <laughs> So at some point, we're going to have to do an episode where Brian comes and just talks about notable alumni because the list is long and we'll have to... I don't know if we have enough tape for that. Well, we'll bring him in and out. Maybe like a special guest appearance, regular, you know, scheduled, you know, right. every couple of weeks. But uh, kind of a kind of a, a big week in chagrin as uh, we have lost maybe arguably one of the most um, dedicated Tigers that we've had. Um, Mr. Tom Mattern, and it's a uh, huge loss to the district, but it's a, also an opportunity to celebrate all Tom has done for this school and this community. So we we thought it was really appropriate to to bring you in, as you know, you worked with transition with Tom, and you you knew him quite well. So why don't you just tell us, you know, from your side, you know, tell us about Tom, the things you know he was involved with the school, and then we'll uh, we'll take it from there. Well. Tom graduated from Chagrin in uh, 1955 and was over at Beachwood for, I think it was just like two years, but then was able to come here to Chagrin and spent roughly 31 years as the middle school history teacher, primarily eighth grade. And during that time, he was the one that introduced the eighth grade trip to DC. And um, also he was the assistant boys basketball coach he worked alongside Glenn Wyville for all those years, best of friends, uh, even until uh, last week. Tom and Linda were close with Glenn and Marilyn throughout that whole period. Also, during his years of teaching, his role in the summer, uh, he worked alongside Glenn as well with the rec center. And that's where you hear all these great stories of what the rec center provided. Kids would pack up a lunch ride up on their bikes to the rec center or walk here. And Glenn and Tom would have activities throughout the day for them to do. As basketball coaches, they always made sure that gym was open and they would have open gym every day. And it was a safe place for kids to go to. They were second fathers to these kids, providing guidance. And uh, Tom would always provide just inspiration and he provided just a lot of 
I would say, uh, I mean, he just made, made them feel proud of themselves. Yeah, so uh, Tom was retired from teaching, you know, when I joined the district. And it's been interesting to see some of the comments on Facebook from his former students, right? Like, I knew he was a respected teacher, and I knew people appreciated him. But when you're not there experiencing it, you're a little distance. But some of these comments just talk about what a life-changing educator and teacher he was. So I don't know if you saw any of that online or... Uh, I did. And um, I had the opportunity to speak to his wife, Linda, last night. And I said, we had gotten... uh, One of our biggest posts was when uh, Lenny May had passed away. And the number of posts, number of terrific things said about him was unbelievable. But um, this one has surpassed any post we've had ever as... uh, with our presence on Facebook and over 200 posts at this point. And I'll be sharing all those with uh, Linda, but it doesn't surprise me. I was fortunate to have him as my eighth grade history teacher. And one of the things that was very notable in some of the responses and I remembered was the eighth grade project. Uh, You were given a chance to do a project and you would, in my case, I built something, but everything included at least some form of written work. It was one of those big challenges that, you know, you heard about once you got to the middle school. And at that time, the middle school was grades six through eight. And once it came to you, it was that big challenge. And you just felt, you know, a sense of accomplishment when uh, completing it. So um, at some point... You know, Tom, and maybe you know the story and can share it with us. You know, Tom decided that we needed to have, you know, transition to alumni director and that we needed to have a historical room. So when I showed up here, Victor, it was in the high school right by the commons. That's kind of where it was at. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a math tutoring room or something now. I, I remember during the interview process, the superintendent walking me in there and just w- walking me around, you know, making sure I understood how important history was here. So how did that come to fruition, Brian? So in 1989, some alumni had gathered together and said, we need to bring back the Alumni Association. It had been started back in the 19-teens and had been going on for maybe about 20 years, and then it pretty much folded. And they weren't terribly active. They'd have one or two events a year. But in 1989, they said, let's bring this back together. And they all knew who they wanted to run it. And just by chance, there was a buyout that year of many teachers, and Tom was one of them that was going to retire. And a funny story also at that time was, so the middle school, which is now the intermediate school, they were doing a big clean out. And by gosh, a number of artifacts were being tossed. Mm -hmm. And someone let Tom know. And he actually went dumpster diving. (laughs) And One of the things he found was our first school board minutes from 1849. And he gathered all those school board minutes. He gathered all that stuff up. And that would be the start of what we would have in our historical room. Initially, our historical artifacts were kept at the uh, middle school. And eventually, Tom would make his way up here to the 712 building His office would change, and then when I took over, our offices would change from place to place. But we kept that one initial room, and then when we looked at having the new auditorium built, we had a fundraiser in recognition of Tom at the time, and the money would go towards building a permanent historical room. And through the efforts of another gentleman, John Tillotson, he helped build everything in what was initially a closet, but rather large one. And since that time, we've outgrown that space. We've now gone into display cases and in other areas of the K-12 buildings to house some of our items. And we still have others in storage. So uh, probably a good time here. If you have not been to the historical room, Victor, it's just an amazing, you, you'll lose time. You will just be in there for well longer than you, you know, kind of had anticipated. So I don't know I want to see those board mints that were taken out of the dumpster. That's Well, what was neat was that was the under plexiglass in the historical room. And when we would give tours, we would take people around. I'd go into the high school. Alumni would go, they would remember who was in which classrooms, which teachers, and they would get, they would have such fun. But Tom and I would always end in the historical room. I'd give a 
introduction of some of the items where things were located and share one or two stories. Then after that, I'd make my way over the Sands community room because they would hang out in there half an hour or so just going through stuff. And now with the renovations of the intermediate school, we've now taken those board minutes and placed them uh, by the uh, stone. So Brian, if if anybody listening uh, wanted to go to the historical room, how how would they do that? Certainly they just need to reach out to myself through my email or the alumni at chagrinschools.org email. And uh, we're happy to get these people in. Naturally, when we do have our normal Blossom weekend. This is our weekend when most of our alumni come in. We'll have between 10 and 12 reunions that weekend. We'll do tours that Saturday morning and then have the historical room open. Typically, that's also when we have our alumni chorus concert, our alumni sporting events, alumni baseball, alumni soccer, and sometimes alumni lacrosse. So uh, Victor's not reading the paper. I don't know what's going on No, I, I just opened up the... Uh... Chagrin Falls Alumni Association newsletter. Yes, I read it. Okay. Um, and I saw a little article about the the Victory Bell. And oh, I believe, yes. Could you Wait, talk? Real quick, was the historical? It's the Tom Mattern Historical Room, correct? So Chagrin Falls School's Tom Mattern Historical Room. So you you're now talking about the Tom Mattern Victory Bell, just to That's give right. some perspective here. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'd love to hear that story. So we had a Victory Bell, like a number of schools uh, in the area, and Towards the end of the 60s, like we saw with other schools, there'd be pranks done, and at least two occasions, it was stolen. One time it was recovered, the second time it wasn't. And it has been, or and it was, a passion of Tom's to locate that. And others joined with Tom to try to find it. They went into the upper pond, which was by spillway, or a chase bag, and even had metal detectors. They chased down graduates from Kenston and Solon, West G, to try to find out where it could possibly be. We had an alumnus, uh, Dr. Tom Martinko, who is in our Achievement Hall of Fame. He reached out and says, look, I want to make sure that Mr. Mattern has a bell and has a bell to ring, knowing his health wasn't so great. We want to make sure he has a bell to ring before he passes. And through his family... They made uh, donations to get a bell. I did some research. A bell maker outside of Columbus who does several bells, does unbelievable job. And um, we were able to get our logo placed on it. Got a larger bell than what we originally had. The original bell was housed right outside the gymnasium and would be rung after varsity victories. Well, we got this bell uh, put together and got it hung uh, along our scoreboard, and it's done so beautifully. And um, in August, I invited Dr. Hunt to uh, make some remarks, as well as I got to make some remarks. And what was very touching was Tom was not able to be outside or to visit places, but made a special trip after a, a medical appointment to be here with us for that. We gave him the opportunity, rightfully so, to be the first one to ring it. And at the end of ringing it, he made a comment, just two words, go Tigers, which he was famous for doing. So to Victor, just give you perspective on this, uh, you know, I, I knew Tom for a long time, obviously. And the bell, I mean, literally almost every conversation came back to the bell. And, you know, being from Kenston, somehow I was the representative <laughs> who took the bell. I, I don't know, well before very, my time. Very but, ironic. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, ironically, I was at my brother-in-law's house who has a... Uh, has a barn on the property and he was talking and he's like, I found this bell, this huge bell. And I'm, you know, I just kind of took it in, didn't really think. And I just bumped into Tom again. And so I brought it up and said, Hey, there's this bell in this barn, you know, no idea, you know, but I just thought I'd share it with you. His passion, his eyes lit up like, why are we not there right now? Like I had <laughs> to drop car. everything and go over for an analysis of this bell. Now it ended up, was it wasn't, it was not the bell. Hmm. It was not the bell, but uh, Tom had a passion for that. And there's no, uh, no one uh, more suited to, to, for it to be named after as well. And I would also add in that that was part of our conversation yesterday with Linda about how special being able to ring the bell and having the bell be placed in, in the stadium, she mentioned that he has mentioned it 
many times since it occurred um, just a handful of months ago. Yeah. So it was terrific that we were able to do that through the support of the school and the Martinko family for Tom and our students because with everything the students have had, our student-athletes have had to endure, that actually became something special where we were fortunate to have a lot of victories with the soccer team this year. And after, you know, recognizing the other team at the end of the game, before I even turned around, the kids were already darting over and they had already figured out who was ringing the bell. Yeah. Well, I've got some plans. I want to talk to you about how do we tie that bell into graduation? That should be something that's there for a nice. long, long time. Yeah. Well, I had, yeah. I had done research on some other schools and they do a nice thing where the bells rung to begin the ceremony. And then after the ceremony, students are given, graduates are given the opportunity to come over and ring at once. Yeah. That's nice. Which signifies their greatest victory. Yeah. Graduation. Absolutely. I mean, what a way to remember Tom every time that bell rings. Yeah. Pretty special. Any, any, yeah. Anything that's going on in that field, I feel like that bell is now going to be a part of it. Yes, it is. So uh, one other you know, story, you know, Brian, you may or may not know this, but well, you certainly know Tom was a man of just complete professionalism, respect, grace, uh, soft-spoken, would never you know, never take credit for much and just always thankful of others. That's how I would describe him. I can honestly say I only saw emotion from him on one occasion. Brian, we want to guess what the occasion was. We were talking about this, you know, as a district, what we were going to do. And Tom had, let's just say, a little opinion. My guess would be if anything was going to be torn down. If uh, when we were talking about the construction project and what we were going to do with the intermediate school and potentially moving out to Gurney and, you know, do we do we try to sell that building? Do you tear that building down? He, in a very direct way, <laughs> let me know that any um, any path that led away from that site was not going to be successful or supported. Uh, by Tom Mattern. And that, when you do a levy calculation in your head, that's a, that, it's over right there right. With, the, with, the, with the weight of what he carried. You and can't what he calculate is. that, yeah. But I have, you know, there's a, I have so many fond memories, but one of them is that victory bell ceremony. You know, yeah. Tom made some comments to me that will, you know, always just be with me and, and, and very special. But it was also the day of the opening of that building. And, and we coordinated how do we get him in and, you know, how much can he take with his health? And obviously he couldn't do that whole building. It's, you know, it's too much square footage. But I rounded the corner after the ceremony and it felt like a lot of people had left. And he was sitting in front of this display case outside of the auditorium. It's got those first board minutes. It's got the, the, the original stone from the first public school. And he, just the emotion on his face. He wasn't, he wasn't speaking. He wasn't talking. He was almost in awe. And I, I just realized how important... The real, the you know, staying there in that location not only was to him, but is and will forever be uh, a part of this community. And I, 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 you know, I almost felt like that day, he, you know, he looked back over at me, and it's almost like that dad moment, like I told you so, you did the right thing here. <laughs> you know, it's just, just, just an amazing, uh, amazing time. So, well, I'll yeah. tell you, I remember that day fondly as well. I had the opportunity to push him around in the wheelchair and we started with in the you had the former auditorium there and the ticket booth and on the right side you have the touch screen for the historical society and the left for the alumni and gave him a chance to look at that and just the smile on his face and then was able to take him around fortunately with a nice elevator system yeah uh, and was able to take him to his former classroom and uh, Susan Smith now has that classroom. And ironically, she was there at the time. And for them to be able to connect, for him to see that room of his, and it just brought back such terrific memories. He had smile, a twinkle in his eye. And I remember a couple of times that Linda would say, I think it's time for us to go back home due to his health. And he was having nothing of it because yeah. uh, he... He could not have been happier to yeah. see what had happened with that building. Well, I never met Tom, but it seems like in talking to you guys, there will never be another Tom Mattern. No. Um, and it seems as though any, if any big decisions are made, 
Dr. Hunt, you should probably be thinking, what would Tom do? Yeah, that's a great. I that's, think that's, that's that's great. I think that's kind of how we all need to think when we make big decisions. Um, you know, what would Tom think about it? Yeah, great. I, I do that with the Alumni Association. And also, I also want to recognize what he's done for our whole community. He was a very big part of the Historical Society. He was a volunteer, and he helped to lead Meals on Wheels and with the Methodist Church, very involved there, and he was their historian, writing their history. Please note, he also authored a book on the history of Scranton Falls Schools from 1833 to 1960, and he did a lot of work for Volume 2, which has already been mentioned that we got to finish that one up. Yeah. Well, Brian, thanks for uh, coming to talk to us about uh, Tom Adder and your work. I appreciate everything you do for the Alumni Association. You know, I would I'd love the what would Tom do, you know, piece there, Victor. It's so true. And when you look at kind of the foundation of Chagrin, schools and community, you know, there's probably a long list of people that, you know, should be accredited for the, the tremendous community we have. But there's a very short list of people who fall in the category of Tom Adder, and he will forever be uh, a part of what this community and what this school is. So, um, you know, prayers, prayers to Linda and the family. Uh, I, I know that's got to be an incredible loss for them, but uh, legacy like no other. Thank you guys for having me Thank here you, today and being able to share what Tom has meant to all of us. Yeah, Thank thanks, you. thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thanks to our special guests on the podcast today, Mark Imarino, Brian McKenna. Additionally, uh, all the people that helped make this podcast possible, Angie Jameson, Charlene Paparizos, Mike Doherty, Ben Needham, Aaron Needham for making this podcast possible. Dr. Hunt, three episodes in the books. What do we think? Wow. Today was, I mean, it was pretty emotional just hearing yeah. all that and uh, the impact of, of, of these individuals. So I think it's a great one. I think this one's going to get, you know, lots of listeners. Hundreds and hundreds we're hoping for. Well, if I want to listen, how do I? <laughs> Anywhere you get your podcast, search Tiger Talk. If it doesn't come up, search Tiger Talk, Sugar and Fall Schools. It's there. We've, we've had great participation. Appreciate any, everybody who's listening. If you enjoy it, tell a friend that you think would enjoy it. For Dr. Robert Hunt, I'm Victor Puskas. This has been Tiger Talk. Tiger Talk.